Section 24 of the Underground Railroad Part 3 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson The Underground Railroad Part 3 by William Still Section 24 Arrival from New Orleans, 1857 James Connor shot in different parts of the body james stated to the committee that he was about 43 years of age that he was born a slave in nelson county kentucky and that he was first owned by a widow lady by the name of ruth head she mistress was like a mother to me said jim i was about 16 years old when she died the estate was settled and i was sold south to a man named vincent turner a planter and about the worst man i expect that ever the sun shined on his slaves he fairly murdered two hundred lashes were merely a promise for him he owned about three hundred slaves i lived with turner until he died after his death i still lived on the plantation with his widow mrs virginia turner about twelve years ago prior to jim's escape she was married to a mr charles parlange a poor man though a very smart man bad-hearted and very barbarous before her second marriage cotton had always been cultivated but a few years later sugar had taken the place of cotton and had become the principal thing raised in that part of the country under the change sugar was raised and the slaves were made to experience harder times than ever they were allowed to have only from three to three and a half pounds of pork a week with a peck of meal nothing else was allowed they commenced work in the morning just when they could barely see they quit work in the evening when they could not see to work longer mistress was a large portly woman good-looking and pretty well liked by her slaves the place where the plantation was located was at point copy on falls river about one hundred and fifty miles from new orleans she also owned property and about twenty slaves in the city of new orleans I lived there and hired my time for a while. I saw some hard times on the plantation. Many a time I have seen slaves whipped almost to death. Well, I tell you I have seen them whipped to death. A slave named Sam was whipped to death tied to the ground. Joe, another slave, was whipped to death by the overseer. Running away was the crime. Four times I was shot. Once, before I could be taken, all hands, young and old, on the plantation, were on the chase after me i was strongly armed with an axe tomahawk and butcher's knife i expected to be killed on the spot but i got to the woods and stayed two nights at night i went back to the plantation and got something to eat while going back to the woods i was shot in the thigh legs back and head was badly wounded my mind was to die rather than be taken i ran a half mile after i was shot but was taken I have shot in me now feel here on my head feel my back feel buckshot in my thigh I shall carry shot in me to my grave. I have been shot four different times I was shot twice by a fellow servant. It was my master's orders Another time by the overseer Shooting was no uncommon thing in Louisiana at one time. I was allowed to raise hogs I had 25 taken from me without being allowed the first copper 
my mistress promised me at another time forty dollars for gathering honey but when i went to her she said by and by but the by and by never came in eighteen fifty three my freedom was promised for five years before this time i had been overseer during four years of this time a visit was made to france by my owners but on their return my freedom was not given me my mistress thought i had made enough money to buy myself they asked eleven hundred and fifty dollars for me i told them that i hadn't the money then they said if i would go with them to virginia after a number of slaves they wished to purchase and would be a good boy they would give me my freedom on the return of the trip we started on the eighth of june eighteen fifty seven i made fair promises wishing to travel and they placed all confidence in me i was to carry the slaves back from virginia they came as far as baltimore and they began to talk of coming farther north to philadelphia they talked very good to me and told me that if they brought me with them to a free state that i must not leave them talked a good deal about giving me my freedom as had been promised before starting etc i let on to them that i had no wish to go north that baltimore was as far north as i wished to see and that i had rather be going home than going north i told them that i was tired of this country in speaking of coming north they made mention of the allegheny mountains i told them that i would like to see that but nothing more they hated the north and i made believe that i did too mistress said that if i behaved myself i could go with them to france when they went again after they returned home as they intended to go again so they decided to take me with them to philadelphia for a short visit before going into virginia to buy their drove of slaves for louisiana my heart leaped for joy when i found we were going to a free state but i did not let my owners know my feelings we reached philadelphia and went to the girard hotel and there i made up my mind that they should go back without me i saw a colored man who talked with me and told me about the committee he brought me to the anti-slavery office etc 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 the committee told jim that he could go free immediately without saying a word to anybody as the simple fact of his master's bringing him into the state was sufficient to establish his freedom before the courts at the same time the committee assured him if he were willing to have his master arrested and brought before one of the judges of the city to show cause why he held him a slave in pennsylvania contrary to the laws of the state that he should lack neither friends nor money to aid him in the matter and moreover his freedom would be publicly proclaimed jim thought well of both ways but preferred not to meet his kind-hearted master and mistress in court as he was not quite sure that he would have the courage to face them and stand by his charges this was not strange indeed not only slaves cowed before the eye of slaveholders did not even northern men superior in education and wealth fear to say their souls were their own in the same presence jim therefore concluded to throw himself upon the protection of the committee and take an underground railroad ticket and thereby spare himself and his master and mistress the disagreeableness of meeting under such strange circumstances the committee arranged matters for him to the satisfaction of all concerned and gave him a passport for her british majesty's possession canada the unvarnished facts as they were then recorded substantially from the lips of jim and as they are here reproduced comprise only a very meagre part of his sadly interesting story 
at the time jim left his master and mistress so unceremoniously in philadelphia some excitement existed at the attempt of his master to recover him through the police of philadelphia under the charge that he jim had been stealing as may be seen from the following letter which appeared in the national anti-slavery standard another slave hunt in philadelphia philadelphia monday july twenty seventh eighteen fifty seven yesterday afternoon a rumor was afloat that a negro man named jim who had accompanied his master mr charles parlange from new orleans to this city had left his master for the purpose of tasting the sweets of freedom it was alleged by mr parlange that the said jim had taken with him two tin boxes one of which contained money mr parlange went on his way to new york via the camden and amboy railroad and upon his arrival at the walnut street wharf with two ladies jim was missing mr parlange immediately made application to a mr wallace who is a police officer stationed at the walnut street depot mr wallace got into a carriage with mr parlange and the two ladies and as mr wallace stated drove back to the girard house where jim had not been heard of since he had left for the walnut street wharf a story was then set afloat to the effect that a negro of certain but very particular description such as a louisiana nigger driver can only give had stolen two boxes as stated above a notice signed clark was received at the police telegraph office by the operator david wonderly containing a full description of jim also offering a reward of a hundred dollars for his capture this notice was telegraphed to all the wards in every section this morning mr wonderly found fault with the reporters using the information and in presence of some four or five persons said the notice signed clark was a private paper and no reporter had a right to look at it at the same time asserting that if he knew where the nigger was he would give him up as a hundred dollars did not come along every day the policeman wallace expressed the utmost fear lest the name of mr parlange should transpire and stated that he was an intimate friend of his it does not seem that the matter was communicated to the wards by any official authority whatever and who the clerk is whose name was signed to the notice has not yet transpired some of the papers noticed it briefly this morning which has set several of the officers on their tips there is little doubt that jim has merely exercised his own judgment about remaining with his master any longer and took this opportunity to betake himself to freedom it is assumed that he was to precede his master to walnut street wharf with the baggage but singular enough to say no complaint has been made about the baggage being missed simply the two tin boxes and particularly the one containing money this is doubtless a ruse to engage the services of the philadelphia police in the interesting game of nigger hunting mr parlange if he is sojourning in your city will doubtless be glad to learn that the matter of his man jim and the two tin boxes has received ample publicity w h reverend hiram wilson the underground railroad agent at st catherine's c w duly announced his safe arrival as follows buffalo august twelfth eighteen fifty seven my dear friend william still i take the liberty to inform you that i had the pleasure of seeing a man of sable brand at my house in st c yesterday by name of james connor lately from new orleans 
more recently from the city of brotherly love where he took french leave of his french master he desired me to inform you of his safe arrival in the glorious land of freedom and to send his kind regards to you and to mr williamson also to another person the name i have forgotten poor melinda smith with her two little girls and young babe is with us doing well affectionately yours hiram wilson end of section twenty four